0: Get your gear ready. This is A Sherpa's Guide to Innovation. It's 2018, and welcome to A Sherpa's Guide to Innovation, a podcast dedicated to guiding you along your innovation expedition. Semwa Bentingi, your host. Before I introduce this episode's Sherpas, we wanted to take a moment to thank our international audience of listeners. In the short months since we've started this podcast, we've been amazed at its reception, not just among our healthcare and innovation network here in the United States, but also overseas. So to our listeners in the Netherlands, we say, junten. To our listeners in Egypt, we say, marhaven in Spain. Amigos, muchas gracias por escuchar. Uh, our friends in the Czech Republic, Nazdar, in Malaysia, Terima Kasey, uh, in Norway, Ilsener, and Belgium, this, one, this is the hardest one for me to say, uh, And finally, our Canadian friends, thanks for listening. <laughs> um, now onto the podcast. It is my extreme pleasure to welcome back our fearless leader and chief innovation officer, Dr. Gene Wright. And a special special welcome uh, on her podcast debut, Elizabeth Benfield-Watson, Innovation Manager. And you know, it's amazing. I just happened to walk into the studio and there you were. It was serendipitous. Oh, so bad, Ben. So (laughs) bad. (laughs) (laughs) On our previous episode, we discussed jobs to be done theory, applications in healthcare. Today's episode is just going to be loads of fun. We'll be discussing an innovation tool that we seek to utilize as often as possible intentional serendipity remember you can ask us questions on twitter using the hashtag innovation and don't forget to provide a review and a five-star rating if you're a fan our team is active on twitter so give us a holler and we're also all on linkedin that's actually the platform that i use more frequently um, so you can also connect with us on on linkedin all right let's tell them what we're going to tell them Key takeaways. Gene, why don't you start? What are our key takeaways for intentional serendipity?
1: All right. My first one would be that the best innovation that comes out of serendipity comes when there's a degree of intentionality to it. So intentional serendipity will produce the best results. Secondly, just like in real life dating, in dating to get to know startup companies, other potential partners, Some of the best ideas do not come on the first date. So if your first meeting was sort of a swing and a miss, go back and stay in the game. Because as that relationship builds, you'll come to some of the best
0: ideas. Great. Elizabeth, your takeaways for today.
2: Um, So the first is it is possible to cultivate curiosity every day. Um, It doesn't have to be something that you are just a natural at at the beginning. Um And you can also help others cultivate curiosity, which is really important when you're trying to innovate. The second is that um, it's easier to change an environment than a behavior. And so when you're trying to set the stage for other people to be creative and innovative, um, there are some environmental changes you can make that make a really big difference. And you can do that without anyone even knowing that you're manipulating them that way. <laughs>
0: Is that what you were doing? <laughs> Sneaky. Yeah, just a
2: nudge, a behavioral nudge.
0: Terrific. Great takeaways. We will come back to those at the end of the episode. Um, so everyone buckle up. We're excited about um, about this episode. So to begin, let's break down the phrase intentional serendipity and get a working definition for our listeners. So Elizabeth, I'll ask you to define what we mean by intentional, and Gene, I'll ask you to – explain a little bit further about serendipity. So Elizabeth, intentional, um, talk to us about that as it relates to intentional serendipity.
2: So I think if you walk around the world and you keep your eyes open and you're always looking for something new, eventually you will find something that's inspirational to you. Um, Unfortunately, most people don't have that kind of time. So it really... the. Ain't nobody got time time, for that. No. (laughs) Uh, it it makes sense to be – to take an, a, 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 an approach um, when you're trying to be inspired and when you're trying to make connections um, that really makes the best use of your time and the the folks that you're trying to connect with. So that's where that intentional part comes in.
0: Mm, so maybe there's an efficiency component.
2: That sounds very anti-fun um, and serendipitous. <laughs> but yes, that is sort of what it is.
0: Got it. Okay, Jean. Serendipity.
2: When we hear the word
1: serendipity, we often think of by chance or luck or without a plan. Or I sometimes say to people, I'm kind of like that cartoon character, Mr. Magoo. I stumble into something, and by serendipity, boom, you know, I find the right partner or the right solution to something. So it's that spontaneous, unplanned element that always seems to be a part of innovation.
0: Now, I may be stating the obvious. Uh, But unless our listeners have heard this phrase before, they're probably scratching their heads and thinking, intentional serendipity, that sounds like an oxymoron. Is it? Is it not?
1: It's not. And it's interesting, Ben, right before we started today's podcast, Jay was in the studio with us and he said, Gene, did you make up that term? And no, I did not make up that term, nor did I invent the internet, even though I'm old enough (laughs) to have done that. The term exists. Now, who invented it? We don't really know. There are some folks in the social innovation space in Toronto that seem to be some of the first that used it. It was frankly in Toronto at an innovation learning network gathering that I first heard the term. But the moment I heard it, it just resonated with me. I thought, that's right. You know, when I go in an art museum and I'm looking around at things, I get all sorts of ideas because I get Inspired, Or if I'm in a new city and I'm looking at restaurants and looking at the signs and that, boom, sometimes something will come together that I hadn't really thought about. So we don't really know who first coined the term. Um, Some even give Corey Ford, one of the managing partners at Matter, the credit. Um, I think he more appropriately used the phrase, the drunken walk. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I sort of think of characters like Columbo or the guy that was in – Oh, the the story about the psychologist uh, that always deciphered the lies based on body language. Blanket it on his name, but he he always looked a little half drunk, just like Johnny Depp does in all the pirates, the of pirates the movies, yeah. right? So they have this drunken swagger to them, and when they get out there, they happen to stumble on the right clue and 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 solve the case or or find the killer. There needs to be a little element of that in us as innovators. Um, I often kid people that in our innovation group we are the most left-brained, right-brain group. So we pump in a lot of left-brain things, left-brain things like uh, analytics and business model innovation and the theories behind things, so we can really be freed up for the right brain to do all that it needs to. To do, but it's not an oxymoron. It is a term that's regarded by innovators, and we find it incredibly useful, especially as we've built some of our um, muscle around how to do it and do it more effectively.
2: And I would say, so part of my role here at Carolina Healthcare System is teaching um, new innovators, so folks from across the system who are are new to this innovation stuff, um, teaching them how to get things done. Um, and one of the everyone is sort of familiar with brainstorming, but one of the things that I tell them is, um, if you sit around a conference room and you just say think really hard, um, you're not going to come up with the great ideas that way. Um, so there's you have to put some structure into into it. It's not all post-it notes and brain games. Like there, there really is a um, a science to creativity.
0: Yeah. When I love, I mean, Gene, you mentioned being in an art museum. There are so many other industries or uh, I don't even really call them industries, but I mean you take the art world, how many artists and musicians uh, have found inspiration being outdoors, being outside talking to people, all these things, and and then they create the art from that. It's time for business to do something like that and healthcare where you're seeking inspiration from other places to uh, to. Redesign processes and services, and make it all better.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think if you turn to almost any innovation and art article or book, there's Da Vinci, and he's got twelve thousand pages in his journal. So it's not all of his notes about the Sistine Chapel or how he's going to make David or something like that. But it's helicopters and aneroid manometers and parachutes and all sorts of ideas that we would say are unrelated, but to him they were related. If you look at the, the Duomo in Milan, the top of that building was actually designed by a man who had never built a building, but he had an egg sitting on his breakfast table one morning, and he noticed how the egg wasn't completely round. It was more round on the bottom and more uh, oval-shaped on top, and he realized that shell with that that structure could support itself, drew the top of the the building so that it would imitate that. And then he realized, oh, shoot, I've never been in construction before. I think I need to go figure out how to build an engineering tool that will lift these big beams up to put on top of the building. And he went and designed that. Now, we would look at that and say, all those steps, eating an egg, building a building, building the machinery that brings, are unrelated. And yet, one good idea led to another good idea.
0: I've heard that Without all the experiments that da Vinci did on lighting, he wouldn't have been able to paint Mona Lisa. The, so much of the, uh, the beauty that from Mona Lisa is because he was able to figure out the lighting techniques that took years and years experimenting in other areas of his work and other areas of his art. Um, And so Mona Lisa couldn't have happened without all kinds of experimentation and inspiration he was getting in other areas, other fields of study. We love those quotes about how many times it's taken
1: somebody else. You know, Edison, I learned 999 ways to not make a light bulb or whatever the big number was. But when it comes to you and it's your project, it's really hard to make yourself that vulnerable to try those different attempts or to go look at another industry or to – go from music to MRI scanners to something about space and realize there might be something I can learn from one of these other industries or vectors that
0: could help me solve the problem I'm working on. So Elizabeth, just a moment ago, you said that it's difficult to find the time to for intentional serendipity. And most entrepreneurs and innovators that I know are pretty busy people. So how do you make time for intentional serendipity?
2: So I will say and um, we have an intentional serendipity guide that if you um, find us on Twitter or LinkedIn, we're happy to share with you. But there are lots of different ways to be um, intentionally serendipitous. And I would say all of those folks that you named, they're still setting up meetings and they're still encountering people and networking. And I think you can apply the principles to intentional serendipity to all of those events. I think when we first started in the innovation engine, we had a lot of kind of cold calls and we learned a lot about what not to do from those.
1: We kissed a lot of frogs.
2: Yes. We kissed a lot of frogs and they did not turn into princes. Um, and so I think it was a a lot of trial and error, even before we knew the term intentional serendipity of how do you structure your, those encounters better. So I think there's, there's kind of that blanket approach that you can apply to lots lots of different parts of your business life. The other side of it is, um, Making it a priority. So one of the things that our team does are field trips and we don't do them every week or sometimes even every month, but we do set a goal of how many kind of group field trips we want to go on each year um, as part of our environment building. And so it doesn't have to be like a two week vacation to Milan to see the architecture there. (laughs) Um, Sometimes you can, you can find a lot of inspiration from a, an hour-long field trip around um, a business that's close to you and to your office. Um, And what we find is we ask people if we can come take a tour or if we can come talk with them, and most of the time people say yes. Uh, You think that other people don't have time, but um, it's something that when you start doing it and you start reaching out, there's just so much value that people will make time for it.
0: Yeah, the
1: common interest. We've been on some cool field trips. Like we've been to Chiquita Banana and we've been to Lowe's. And because we're in Charlotte, we've been to the NASCAR Speedway. There's a lot of analogous learning. And then uh, just a few blocks from our office is the Duke Energy Building. I think it's 48 stories tall. Gorgeous building. And the person who has the lead innovation job is on the 47th floor. So we were standing in his office and we had asked for one of these Cold call meetings, and you know, if you've gotten to know me and all, you realize I could talk to a dead person. So I don't need very much of an intro to do this. I'm an extrovert at at heart, probably because my dad was an undertaker. That I can talk to dead people, I don't know, but I just approached him one day at a chamber meeting and said, "Could we come talk to you?" and he said, I don't think we have a whole lot in common. Well, when we got together, besides talking about the beautiful view from his window and that, he said, well, you wouldn't understand. We're in a highly regulated industry. <laughs> and I thought, dude, we're in health care. It doesn't get any more regulated. Mm-hmm. And then he said, well, you wouldn't understand. People want to use less of our services. <laughs> and I said, well, what does that mean? He goes, well, we're supposed to deliver less and less energy at a... Less and less price, year after year. And I said, and we are supposed to keep people healthier and healthier at a lower and lower cost. Well, you could imagine where the conversation went. Within 20 to 30 minutes, you would have thought we were doing each other's job. And yet, you know, none of us really knew that that would happen until we gave ourselves the opportunity and, as Elizabeth said, scheduled it, made a field trip, you know, and made an effort to go out
0: and and talk to him. Yeah, so there's planning, there's structure um, in order for those magical moments to happen. And Elizabeth, you mentioned that – you talked about that structure. When you meet with somebody for the first time, wh- what do you talk about? So I, I'm so curious. Like the What's the conversation like? What's the opening line? What's the – to your dating analogy, Gene, what's the pickup line? Uh, <laughs> um, do you come prepared with questions or do you hope – just something happens? Uh,
2: yeah. uh, so I would say you will have some dates that are um, a little bit closer to what you're comfortable with. I know that we've had some some full day sessions with folks who were uh, maybe from other parts of the country or other parts of the world who were working on something that we were interested in. And I think you have um, a lot more detailed questions going into that, even though the mindset is the same. It actually is a little bit more fun when you're going in to an industry that you're really totally blind about Um, one of the field trips that we took last year was to scent air which is i think they call it sensory marketing so it's a company that helps use um, smells for branding and for other um, for other fun stuff like um, simulations and I don't know. Some good smells, some bad smells. Um, But it was something that I had no idea. Like, I didn't know where to start. And really, we just kind of agreed at the beginning. We would tell them a little bit about us and then they would talk to talk to us and give us a tour around their facility. Um, And and that's an example of one where it wasn't that there wasn't necessarily a clear next step after that meeting. But I think about that field trip at least like once a week. Um, when I go into the Westin, I smell the Westin smell. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think about the impact that all of your senses really have on your experience and creating memories. And um, I think that in healthcare, we're focused on experiences so much. And they've taken this one little part of an experience and made that their business model. Um, and so it, it's just made me much more aware. And now that I know those folks, we can kind of consider them our, our friends of innovation. Um, and we know who to go to whenever we need a, an official smell of innovation.
1: <laughs> right. And when we say things like nursing home or doctor's office or the vet's office, I bet you our listeners immediately think of a of a familiar s- Smell, And in most of those situations, it's not a very pleasant one. And so we're beginning to explore how do you take something like smell because it is so closely bound to memory and help create more positive experiences for people.
0: How fascinating. And, you know, I'm thinking about this as we have this conversation. Uh, there are some really neat businesses and organizations in Charlotte that we've been able to visit but I mean, Charlotte's a medium-sized city in the U.S. There are fascinating businesses and industries all over the world that I'm sure our listeners, probably your neighbors, probably you know, in in uh, the city where you live, there are fascinating, interesting places that you can go and and uh, people you can meet. Um, so it's it's everywhere. It's not just uh, um, in big cities.
2: Definitely not. And one of the things that we teach our um The catalyst and also just when we're talking about intentional serendipity is that you can find this. Let's say you live on a farm in Kansas and you don't know any of the businesses. You can still open yourself up to new ideas um, through the podcasts that you listen to, through the magazines that you read, the people you follow on Twitter. Um, You can start cultivating that curiosity in the ways that you consume um, elements of the world so even from there's no excuse not to be curious Um, and the more curious you are uh, the more creative you'll be and um, maybe that farmer out in the middle of kansas will actually find something really cool down the road i don't know Um, but anyone can start today being more curious
1: you know ben i think for me this was a natural fit because early in my career as a clinical scientist, I found myself stuck on a project or a problem and looking around for answers. And in uh, clinical medicine, it's not unusual to pick up the phone and call another researcher at another institution, particularly if you're trying to solve a clinical problem and intellectual is not involved. And I wrote a gentleman who was at Texas Children's at the time. I sent him my CV and I said, would you see me? And he didn't know me. I mean he just it was a cold call and he said yes and in my specialty at the time he was like one of the heroes of the you know provide, provision of care to children that from that day on I think I realized I'm just going to ask the worst that could come out of this is no. Um, not long ago, I was on the phone with a professor from Stanford, and he's very well recognized. And I was introducing him to somebody else where we would have this mutual collaboration. And at the end, he said, I just have to ask you, Jane, are you a Stanford alum? You seem like you are so supportive of our school and our efforts. And I said, no, but I love your school, and I have a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my only claim to it. Now, I am a big fan, and we're out there for Stanford um, MedEx and things like that. But They'll take your call. You'd be really surprised. I have yet, you know, kind of knock on wood, and we don't make much noise here in the studio, but I'll knock knock right there, to say ask people. Ask them. Remember when we were working on the Food Project, Elizabeth, and we were trying to figure out how to keep fresh fruits and vegetables Colder, longer. We talked to Lowe's, We talked to refrigerator manufacturers. We talked to Chiquita. We learned how they infuse nitrogen into the salad bags. We learned a boatload of stuff. And people, more often than not, are really willing to help
0: you. That's terrific. Well, say you go on an adventure, an intentional serendipity adventure. How will you know if your efforts worked? How, how do you define? It's value, you know, looking back, how would you be able to measure whether it was successful or not?
2: So, again, it probably depends on how much time you have invested in this endeavor. Um, if you're listening to a podcast and it's not for you and you never want to listen to it again, not like this one because you're definitely a, <laughs> a longtime listener and, um, <laughs> subscriber. But if you – let's say those kind of little bets – the success is just that you tried something different. And if it's not for you, it's not for you. Um, for something where it's like a field trip or where there's time invested in planning and getting together um, and asking people to give up some of their time, I think the takeaways, it's not necessary that the takeaway or that the success be we have a project to work on and we have these clear next steps.
0: And partnership and, no. yeah.
2: So it's its more of that you have a mutual understanding Um that you've maybe um, unearthed some questions that you want to go back and look at in in your field, some things that you never expected. So I think anytime there's like a spark of curiosity that comes from it, um, and especially if it's lasting, I think those are the best types of intentional serendipity. I think that's successful. But again, there's different levels. So if it's a full day session, you probably do have some other deliverables that you'd like to get out of it. Um Sorry for the wishy washy answer, but it really just depends on um, your approach. Sure.
1: Right. Uh, let me uh, tag on to that. I do think there's levels of outcome that come from it. Sometimes it's relationship, sometimes it's I'm not that person, but let me introduce you to Steve. Steve's the right guy on our team. Or we were trying to solve that problem with another industry partner, and they were a great person. Um, I've just come back recently from San Francisco where I attended the Startup Health Festival. And during the time I was there, I constantly wrote notes of the different speakers and I took pictures. What did I take pictures of? I took pictures of the speaker so I could remember who was with what company. Um, But I also took pictures, honestly, for Elizabeth because she's going to help us put together a conference in the spring on innovation. And there were some things I liked. And remember how she talked about environment at the beginning? It's one of her takeaways. I know she pays attention to environment. So I took some pictures for her. And then when I was out in the city, there were some both buildings that I liked. There was some signage. Um, I went in one Building is a multi level high rise, and for security purposes, when you put your name down, the guy checks you in, and the elevator only opens on the floor you're supposed to get off on. I mean little things like that. Did you think, mm-hmm. "Wow, that's cool." So we take pictures. And then when we come back to the innovation engine, we'll do a lunch and learner, something like that. And then I've already made my slide deck for all of you to show you essentially what I learned on my summer vacation. <laughs> um, now, that wasn't my vacation, but I will tell you, even on my vacation, my kids well, I roll, I roll and go, there's mom. She's off doing one of these things again. And in fact, if they're doing something that either I'm not involved in or I don't want to be involved in, I'll say, I'm going to leave you for a couple of hours and I'm going to go visit and I'll find some innovative place in that town. Again, make a cold call, but make sure that I get a chance to meet them face-to-face. Again, while we were out at Startup Health, I took the opportunity to go visit Hope Lab. Hope Lab is one of our strategic partners in the Innovation Learning Network. In fact, ILN is embedded right there at Hope Lab. I didn't know what I was going to find. I mean, I'm very impressed with Margaret Lawson and Chris McCarthy and the smart people that were there. So I knew there was going to be plenty of smarts in the room. Well, within seconds, I thought, wow, wow. I like how they do their personas and their storyboards, and I took pictures. Oh, I like how they make this diagram of how to connect the science with the problem they're trying to solve. Click, click, there's another picture. Oh, I like how they're doing this system map. In fact, I was texting it back to Elizabeth, and she said, oh, I recognize what that is. I didn't know what I was going to find. That's why it's the drunken walk. You know, I'm just there, Mister Magoo. Maybe something will be across my path. But I'm open. I'm you know paying attention. I'm staying mindful in the moment. And boom, the things just you know fill up your notebook.
2: And I will say, I have so many random pictures on my phone because of of exactly what Gene is talking about. Uh, when I go to conferences, it's not just what people are talking about, but like I, the last one I took pictures of the the way they held their foam core boards up. I just thought it was like the most ingenious, <laughs> the most ingenious little <laughs> device they had, um, or the way that they present information on a wall and make it interactive. Those are the types of things where I love what people are presenting, but I learn a lot from the how and the the, the elements that they bring to it that I never would have thought of.
1: You know, Ben, a great question, and I stumbled. Um, with some serendipity upon this question, that really helps me is if I'm at a place, let's say at Hope Lab, and I really like it, and I can sense the energy and the invention there, I'll say to them, "If I knew what you know about this place, what is it that you could tell me?" Because many times when you're a guest, they don't know what to show you or what, and invariably the light bulb comes on, the eyes get you know wide, the pupils dilate, and they go oh, this project that we're doing on team behavioral health, man, that's the one you ought to see. So ask people, you know, kind of like play your best card. Show, you know, again, if intellectual property is not involved, you know, show us your best stuff or throw your wild ideas. And again, once you ask, you give them that permission to open up and boom, some really fascinating things come out.
0: What keeps coming to my mind is the... The parable of the sower, that Mm. as as many seeds as you throw out of intentional serendipity moments, you know, some aren't going to work. Some will get choked by the weeds and, you know, the cares of the world. And so I can't remember the exact language of the the parable, but some will turn turn into fruit. And uh, um, the more seeds you throw out, the more opportunities for – serendipitous moments uh, can occur
1: i gotta tell you a funny story um my teenage daughter uh, went with me um the last few days and we're standing at the airport and this older man was standing next to her and i thought he was oogling her i don't know if that's a verb or ogling ogling, i don't know (laughs) i was mama bear in the moment (laughs) because i thought this older dude is eyeing my teenage daughter and when we got on the entrance to the plane she goes mom what's wrong and i said uh what's going on back there what was he talking to you about she said we were doing intentional serendipity (laughs) and i'll have you know he was going to the same conference that you were going to he's in a biotech space and i think his work would help your work on copd so i think you need to lay down your preconceived ideas of old men talking to young girls and be (laughs) open and my and i'm like who's giving the sermon right now (laughs) So I can tell some of the things I talk about at work I must be talking about at at home home as well.
2: We do say choose curiosity over judgment. So most of the time the mama bear instinct is probably judgment and that's probably (laughs) fair. Uh, But in that case, the teenager was right.
0: That's right. (laughs) right. Well, maybe as a way to end this part, um, what are some just fun examples of some of the – serendipitous moments that, that you've had as you have embarked on this intentional serendipity journey? Well, I'll or tell or you that one. you've heard of others having that would be fun to share with our listeners?
1: Yeah, the good thing this is a podcast and not a video um, because um, my uh, age would come across immediately. Um, so I'm sitting on a plane next to a young, bright-looking, IT sort of guy. And he looks over at me, and I can see what he's thinking harmless little grandmother. Ha <laughs> ha. Boy did I have him fooled. Yeah,
2: he doesn't know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, he thinks I'm this harmless little grandmother sitting next to him, and in the middle of the flight, he said, "I really hate to impose on you, but would you hold my laptop?" And he passed over his open laptop that was playing a YouTube video. So, I couldn't help but watch it. Okay? It was really interesting. And they were packaging these products and moving them on these conveyor belts. It it could have been like an Amazon warehouse. It wasn't, but it could have been something like that. And I said, dude, this is so cool. How do you do it? And he kind of looked at me then and I still didn't play all the cards about it, you know. And so he went on to explain his business and how he invented it, what he was getting ready to do. And then I began to open up a little bit about who I am. And by the end of the meeting, I had Talk to him about what are you doing with the metrics and the analytics of all those boxes that you're moving. And would you like to be introduced to a predictive analytic company that we're working with? And boom, 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 by the end of the meeting. Well, it wasn't a meeting. It was a flight, right? By the end of the flight, we had already, you know, arranged something. Now, I will give one little tidbit. When someone gives you your business card, their business card, and you give them yours – if you're talking about, you know, polar bears in the equator or something, you know, whatever your great idea is, write it on the back of the card. So when they turn over that Bentingy card, they can go, oh, this is the guy I talked to about the polar bears living on the equator or whatever it is, because that's going to be the mental prop. That's one of those little cues, just like Elizabeth talking about setting the environment. Those little cues can help you, and when you get home, Write them that day or the next morning. Um, Don't let the the sun go down on that. Remember Mama said send those thank you notes out the next day because you got to keep the momentum going so that you just don't kind of slide back into the way you've done business before. Any fun examples,
0: Elizabeth?
2: Um, My examples are never as fun as Jean's examples, but (laughs) um, I was thinking about one of our intentional serendipity sessions that we had with the company, um, and I think when they came to us, we had a sort of an idea about what we wanted to work on, but we had had sort of a series of meetings and we had um, a few of their executives coming in for like a two day session. I didn't know very much about their industry at all, um, but, you know, they're one of those companies where they sort of do everything a little bit like CHS does. And at the end of that time, um, we had not only talked about what we had intended to talk about, but we also ended up with like six other relatively good ideas. Um, and we learned, so they have some methodologies around how do you manage change? And that was something where the light bulb sort of went off for us where we were like, we really need to know more about this. And so there's been an ongoing conversation now of what are some projects that we can work on? And also how can we learn from each other? How do we learn to manage, um, change and innovation better? And, um, again, that's not as fun as being on the airplane but it's something that um, has been a very fruitful relationship and Jean talks about that relationship building element Um, just having the space to start having those conversations and connecting people with the right um, person for whatever they're interested in um, is a huge benefit Um, and it's a great way to use time if you go into those sessions with Um, Every detail on your agenda um, timed where there's no no breathing room for anything new. Um, I consider that a missed opportunity.
0: Well, if someone wanted to learn a little bit more about this, Elizabeth, you already mentioned that if people are interested, they can let us know on Twitter, LinkedIn, or email, whatever. Um, we have a, a guide for intentional serendipity we'd be happy to share. Are there books? Are there other speakers or resources? Where should we direct people who would like to learn a little bit more about some of this work?
1: Uh, let remember when we had the ILN here in Charlotte and Alan Gregerman came. Mm-hmm. Um, he had just written The Necessity of Strangers. Mm-hmm. You see, we think about the necessity of friends, but his whole book premise is around the idea of you need to meet people that you don't know and feels you don't know, so you really think differently. So I often refer people to Alan's book,
2: yeah, I think his is, it's a great resource he also has if you just um look him up on YouTube, he has some really great talks that we've shared in different sessions um so if you're more of a YouTuber than a reader, um mm-hmm. I could say I would definitely say go there." Um, you'll find elements of intentional serendipity and how to do it in in a wide array of places, from um, organizational um, psychology all the way up to some of the innovation work that, um, like um, Sprint, the the Google Ventures uh-huh. with. Um, They have some elements of this, too. If you're just looking for, like, small takeaways um, about how to do some of this work and let your preconceived ideas about what should be happen. Um, I may be biased, but I think our Intentional Serendipity Guide actually brings together a lot of these ideas in a really easy-to-consume sort of format. So I will promote that as well.
0: (laughs) Terrific. Well, let's go back to where we started and let's tell them what we told them. So our key takeaways for today, Gene, you had the first two. You can get the most out
1: of serendipity when you add some intentionality to it. And then second, don't expect everything to come out of the first date.
0: Very good. Three and four. Elizabeth.
2: Um, You can cultivate curiosity um, starting today. You don't have to wait for a big event or a field trip or a meeting. You can become more curious, open yourself up to these um, moments of intentional serendipity right away. And then the, the last one is just you can create an environment where other people um, are more able to connect serendipitously. And um, there are some really small changes that you can make to the environment to change people's behavior in, in big ways.
0: Gene, Elizabeth, thank you both so much for this conversation. This was wonderful. Thank
2: Thanks. you, Ben. This is fun.
0: Well, thank you to all of our listeners, uh, American, Canadian, British, Flemish, Egyptian, Czech. We're grateful for all of you. Uh, and we hope that you continue listening to a Sherpa's Guide to Innovation podcast. We have more episodes in the hopper and potentially some special guests in the lineup, too. So stay tuned. This is Ben Tingey. Talk to you later. Sai Chen. Hasta luego. <laughs>
1: Isn't that fun?